It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast episodes, and you can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers. The show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how, and the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, send us a text, call in, whatever you want to do, you can do that, 920-341-3775. Put it in your phone, send us a text, call us when you're on that long drive, when you're coming out of the bar. Instead of calling or texting your ex, Call or text Locked on Packers. We've now pushed past all of the post-Super Bowl shenanigans, and uh, Brian Flores is now the coach of the Dolphins. Zach Taylor is now the coach of the Bengals. And those teams that were waiting for poaching purposes with these staffs can can get to it if they need it. Uh, We'll see uh, how much brain drain these teams take as they go through the offseason, not something the Packers have to worry about because they've they've built essentially a full staff moving forward. And we're going to talk about the coaching a little bit and the offensive scheme, some comments Devontae Adams had about the offense, uh, and also a really interesting piece that was written in The Athletic in October uh, that made the rounds on Packers Twitter yesterday about Matt LaFleur and his offense and the way that he uses angles and and the way he uses built-in defensive tendencies and, and the way that cornerbacks are taught to play against them. It's a really fascinating piece. It's a very football nerdy piece. And I'm going to do my best to break it down in a way that is understandable, that is digestible. Uh, the piece is really good. I mean, it's really well-written and, and, and obviously uh, really insightful, but I think it can be a little dense. It can be a little difficult to digest uh, unless you really want to dig in and unless you really uh, feel like getting the books out and studying, it, it, is, it, it feels a little bit like homework uh, if you're not ready for it, if I'm being honest. And, and you know, it's, it's homework that I relish doing, but I understand not everyone does. So that's what I'm here for. Uh, I also want to want to get back to our discussion on the edge players in this draft because I have finished the top group. 
the consensus top players, the guys that are widely considered top 50, top 60 type talents. And uh, so I wanted to just circle back on that because that's a place that I think Green Bay is really going to be looking to add in the draft. I think they're going to be looking to add in free agency. And, And I thought we did a good job of covering the free agent options. We can get back to those uh, when we get a little bit closer to free agency, a free agency kicking off about a month from now, but the combine coming up sooner. And I wanna I wanna hit the edge rusher thing again because there are important touchstones for the combine, things to keep an eye on. And so I wanna I wanna talk about that as well. What to look for out of these guys as we head toward Indianapolis and the NFL Combine. But let's start with this really interesting piece from The Athletic. And, and I want to I wanna preface it with some comments made by Devontae Adams. Um, it, for the Pro Bowl, Rob Domofsky talked to him. And uh, what, what Devontae said was, uh, it's a great, it was a great first impression. G- great guy, young cat, which is great. You can be personable with him. He's a good guy. I like his philosophy. He wants to bring in a new kind of innovative style. An illusion of complexity. I like the idea of that. He kind of explained that to me. A great first impression. So we'll see how that goes. He also said a little bit more innovative, some more, quote, new school stuff, not necessarily trick plays. I think the RPO stuff will stay alive. Some of his crossing patterns, a lot of different things that maybe we didn't do as much in the past. He'll bring that in. Moving me around to get me different ways to get touches, too, is going to be big. Moving me inside, outside, just different opportunities, putting me in a spot where I can maximize my potential. And, you know, this is this is something that when you go back and you look at the, the, the offense that the Tennessee Titans ran, when you look at the offense, the Atlanta Falcons ran with Kyle Shanahan, when you look at what Sean McVay did, and and obviously we touched on the level of concern one should have after what happened in the Super Bowl. I I don't think it's high. Uh, I I think, frankly, Sean McVay tried to get a little too simple. I think he expected the Patriots to key in on a lot of that illusion of complexity stuff and didn't really go to anything that was that com- complex, and, and I think that really hurt them in a lot of ways. But Devontae said something that uh, is really interesting. He said, we'll have a little bit more time to get on it because they can start the, the preseason process or the offseason process a little bit sooner. And he said, I think everyone will buy in. There are only so many routes out there. So it's really the same thing, just different things that people call it. I'm sure he'll mix it up a little bit, but it's still pretty simple. And this is this is something that I think is really important when you when you look at what this offense is going to look like and what is going to change about this offense because he's right. There are only so many routes, only so many route combinations. And so there's only so many plays that can literally exist. And there are plays that have been tried and true concepts that have worked forever. The Patriots are still running a lot of the same plays, a lot of the same concepts. They just make them look different. They run them out of different personnel groupings. And one of the things that was really cool reading this this piece in The Athletic, and I'll, uh, I, I tweeted it. It's on my timeline. Uh, Zach Cruz actually found it from Packers Wire and sent it out, and, and it, it made the rounds on Packers Twitter. I'll tweet it out again. Uh, today so you can see that it'll be in the Locked on Packers feed. One of the things that Matt LaFleur does a great job of is 
he takes expectations that cornerbacks have and turns them on their head with route running. So without getting too in the weeds, based on alignment, so where the receiver is in the formation, cornerbacks know or that they at least can guess what kind of route they're going to run. When you line up a little bit further outside than you normally might, chances are there's going to be some kind of in-breaking route because you're, you only have so much space to the sideline to get open. And if you shorten that split down a little bit, a little bit closer to the formation, likely you're setting up something outside. And so what Matt LaFleur likes to do is screw with these preconceived notions about route concepts. And so he'll make routes look like one thing when they're really another. And cornerbacks have landmarks that they like to play on. And the cornerbacks say, as long as the receiver stays inside this landmark, I need to be outside leverage. I need to be on the outside of him. If he goes inside my landmark, I need I need to play differently. I need to move. These are things that you can identify. If you watch a, a play before the snap, you can see oftentimes the defensive back is not playing head up with the receiver. He is not eye to eye with him. He's either a little bit inside or a little bit outside. And oftentimes you, you watch and you go, why is that the case? Quarterbacks are also looking at that because they want to know where is that corner playing? Where is he funneling his help to? Because that's why you do that. You play outside leverage because you have safety help to the inside. As a cornerback, you play inside leverage when you don't have that safety help because you have to play and use that sideline as the extra defender. Nick Saban, there's a great little teaching tape in that um, article that talks about how, how many yards Jerry Rice has on skinny posts because of cornerbacks who refused to get inside leverage against him and just gave, basically gave him a free release to the inside. The route concepts and the, and the schemes that they like to use in this offense are tailor-made for someone like Devontae Adams. So no wonder Devontae is excited about this because crisp route runners, guys who can really sell on one thing, and it, it, when, when Devontae says it's not trick plays, there are a lot of route concepts that are double moves, not in the way that we normally think of double moves. It is you fake an in-breaking route with a step and bust outside. And that in-breaking route, that step you take inside, is the, the expectation for the cornerback. So you're playing with the expectation. You expect, based on alignment and route, where that route is going to go. And then all of a sudden, you're three steps outside, you're four yards open, and it's an easy first down. When you have someone like Devontae Adams to run those routes, life gets, gets much easier for your offense. And so in this Matt LaFleur offense, Devontae Adams is going to elevate his game, I think, even further because it is so well-tailored to his skill set. And you look at someone like Robert Woods in L.A., what he's able to do, despite not having a lot of success in, in previous stops, is predicated on the idea that he knows where to be and he is a very precise route runner. And you look at what some of the guys in Atlanta were able to do. Julio 
gets by on sheer force of will. He is not a super precise route runner, but guys like Muhammad Sanu, guys like Taylor Gabriel, they are, are much more about nuance and getting open. The problem for the Packers is Geronimo Allison is a, a solid route runner. EQ and MVS are developing route runners. And, and Aaron Rodgers talked about Equinemia St. Brown and, and the route running that, that he saw and the improvements that he saw. But at this point, those guys are young and they're developing. And, and I think Matt LaFleur is smart enough to say these guys aren't great at these things. And so we're going to put them in a different kind of position to succeed. But this is where we go back to our discussion about adding some explosiveness in the slot a receiver who can be sudden, who can get in and out of breaks in a hurry, someone like a Jamison Crowder, someone like a Golden Tate, or in the draft, someone like Debo Samuel. And and the fit that would be there with this offense, someone like Hollywood Brown. I was talking to Tex Western, my editor at SB Nation, and we were saying after reading that athletic piece that it really does set the stage for the Packers to target a player like Hollywood Brown who can who can really create separation with just one step here or there because he's so sudden, so explosive, and he can create down the field. Taewon Taylor, who had struggled to become part of the Titans' offense previously, really started to build something this last year with Matt LaFleur, specifically because he is sudden and, and he can win with his route. And then he has speed to burn down the field. Matt LaFleur was able to take advantage of that. Now, Taylor was not able to consistently utilize those opportunities because he struggled to make catches, just simple catches, and could not make contested catches, did not prove to be as reliable with the ball in the air as you need to be in the NFL to be an impact receiver. Green Bay has guys that can do that. And so if their route running can improve a little bit and they can bring in some players who can bring that explosiveness and suddenness, short area quickness. We're not talking over the top. They have plenty of speed down the field. This idea that Green Bay doesn't have enough speed to create down the field big plays. They created big plays all year. Devontae Adams got down the field. Mark Valdez-Scantling got down the field. EQ got down the field. Geronimo Allison got down the field before he got hurt. They have guys that can take the top off of defenses. What they don't have is that short area quickness guy, that Julian Edelman type player. That doesn't mean small white receiver, although that's what a lot of people think it means. It means what Randall Cobb was for a long time. That ability to get open quickly, to be sudden and and precise and explosive in your routes and to get open within the confines of this offense. This has been an issue for the Packers for a couple of years now. The route concepts are so reliant on individual guys winning and, and not on the play design. Matt LaFleur is not going to run that kind of offense. There is that illusion of complexity where they're going to build in things where it's going to look like there's a lot going on, but it's really a pretty simple route combination. Or it's a pretty simple run. It's just going to look like there's a lot happening. It's the same with the passing concepts. They are going to make life easier for these receivers by working against type, by working against what a cornerback is expecting is coming and, and trying to build it so it looks exactly like something that they are expecting 
And then all of a sudden, it's something else. And that unpredictability is really valuable in an offense when you have quality receivers, quality route runners, and a quarterback who understands how to read defenses and make anticipatory throws. All of those things come together. And, you know, we, I didn't mention this yesterday, but Matt LaFleur and a mediocre Titans offense in terms of skill, talent, and, and personnel, they put up 34 points on a Patriots defense that clamped down the Rams and that played really well in the playoffs and, and played really well down the stretch. The Titans did that. And they did it with creativity and they did it with an ability to create matchups where there isn't one just by going against tendency. It works the best against teams that study the most because they know what's coming or at least they think they do. And if you are able to stay ahead of their adjustments, then you can have a really successful offense. And that is that innovation. That is that adaptability, that creativity that Matt LaFleur brings to this offense. And there's a reason Devontae Adams is excited. This offense is perfect for him. He is going to have another huge season. And there should be already no questions about his elite status in this league. But by the end of the 2019 season, there can be no doubt Devontae Adams is a legitimate top flight receiver. You want to say top five, you want to say top eight, whatever you want to say. It doesn't matter just as long as you use the word top. And speaking of coming out on top, if you had Julian Edelman to win the Super Bowl MVP, you are coming out on top today, but you probably didn't. And that's because you didn't know where to go. You didn't know what to look for in an online betting platform. Well, I'll make it easy for you. My bookie. It's, it's that simple. They've been in business for years. They've got great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use. It is dummy proof. It really is. Lay some cash down today and win big. They have live in-game betting and the most rewarding player perks in the system. They've got fantasy football-based bets, prop bets. If, if you can think of something to bet on, they will give you odds and they will give you a line. They, they do a great job with the prop bets. I know the Super Bowl is a great time for those prop bets, but still plenty of sports to bet on. The NBA in full force. Baseball is going to be here before you know it. It's all there at MyBookie. And right now, MyBookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar when you use the promo code LOCKEDON25. So go to MyBookie today and use the promo code LOCKEDON25 to get your dollar for dollar deposit bonus at MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. 
And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. So last week we did our off-season report card and, and I talked about some of the potential edge rushers in this draft and, and I, I gave my, my top group, we talked about some of the guys available potentially at 12, the guys that I liked. Well, I completed that study, at least of the consensus top guys. There's always going to be, you know, you go down a little bit further. I'm at, I watched 12 edge rushers and maybe, you know, maybe the 15th guy I watch ends up being the eighth best or the sixth best guy, in my opinion, in the draft. That's unlikely, but it's possible. Um, there's, there's still a long way to go in this process. And we'll get to another offseason report card on Thursday. Uh, we're going to do guards because I think that's the second biggest and most pressing need, something that a lot of Packer fans are talking about. So we'll look at the guys in the draft. We'll look at free agents uh, and all of that. But with the pass rusher situation on the edge, there's a couple things here. So number one, I've had some questions about defensive line and, and the pass rush there. And I've made the case you know, for a lot of the season that, that the defensive line can be part of the pass rush solution. It doesn't have to just be edge players. But given the way that this class is working out, and I have, like I said, I have post, I have Bosa, Allen, Sweat, Farrell, and Polite all in, in the top 11. It's hard to, for me to believe that there's going to be a guy worth taking there at 12 that is going to significantly impact this team in a way that those guys could, especially on the defensive line. Unless Quinn and Williams somehow falls or Ed Oliver somehow falls, you know, the, the Jeffrey Simmons is of the world. The Christian Wilkins is of the world. Draymond Jones. Those guys are just not big enough impact players for this team to warrant a selection at 12. But I want to take this a little bit further down because I said I had, so it was Bosa, Allen, Sweat, Farrell, Polite, and they're in the top 11. I think there's a gap after that. And Brian Burns, who has been in a couple mock drafts for the Packers uh, this week, Dan Cater at Mocking the Draft, Matt Miller at Bleacher Report, had Burns and Nikhil Harry, the Arizona State receiver, who apparently the Packers have some interest in, they've been following. Uh, That is a, a combination that we've seen. I think Burns is more a late first candidate. If he's there at 30, it makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't take him at 12. But if he goes in and has a huge combine, I think there's a lot of things with his age. He's still incredibly young. He and Ja'Kai Polite, I think, are both 20 still. And he came into the into Florida State at 17 and got sacks and got production in the ACC. So I think that speaks for itself. And if the athletic measurables are there, then you really have to start taking notice. After that, you know, you, you look at their next opportunity to take someone 44 if someone like Rashawn Gary, and I'm lower on him than than a lot of people, they you know some seem to think he's a top ten pick. I don't I don't see that at all. But in the second round, DeAndre Walker from Georgia, I think could be in play at 44. 
I said I wanted to watch Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech. He'd been getting some first-round buzz. I don't see it. Late second, early third, cool. Uh, Charles Amenahu from Texas could be a third-round guy. He had some fans at the Senior Bowl uh, and, and had some nice production in his last two years at Texas, but just isn't explosive enough, isn't impactful enough, and isn't consistent enough play-to-play to really be considered one of these top guys. In the third round, though, I think that that would be an interesting guy because he could play on the edge. He could play five technique. You know, he could he could do a little bit of what they wanted Muhammad Wilkerson to do and be a base defensive lineman and then do some sub package rushing, maybe from the edge. Um, he's got the frame to add some weight, 6'6", 276 with long arms. If he adds 10 pounds of power, 10 pounds of strength, then I think five technique and that three, four defensive end spot really makes a lot of sense for him. But as we look toward the combine, so you look at all these players and you say, okay, well, what's important for them? Well, there is a longstanding understanding that a couple athletic measurables are really important for pass rushers. So different, different people and different evaluators will tell you different things. But most will agree the 40-yard dash is not critical, but the 10-yard split is. That measures explosiveness in that first 10 yards, that short area quickness, that burst off the line of scrimmage. That is important. And that's something that you should keep an eye on. That's something the Packers value. Other evaluators, other people who follow these things will tell you that the jumps are also important. Broad jump is a measure of explosiveness. Vertical jump is a measure of explosiveness. But you also care about the change of direction ability. Now the Packers, I don't need, I don't want to get into the weeds with what, what the agility score is and how it's calculated. But suffice it to say, you can basically body adjust. So based on how big you are, and how well you move laterally, there is a calculation you can make. Just suffice it to say, if you're a bigger guy who runs a slower time than a smaller guy who runs a faster time, you may actually have the same agility score, and that is what matters. So how well do you move laterally relative to your size? Those are things that matter to the Packers. We don't, we don't really care if they matter to anyone else because they clearly do matter to the Packers. And if you want to know more about those thresholds, you can go to um, Justice Muscada has written about it. We've written about it on Acme Packing Company. We talk about it every year during the draft. So it will be there on SB Nation's site. Um, but also, you know, look at look at the work that Justice does. There's a lot of data and information out there about what physical tools you're looking for in a pass rusher and, and what those guys look like. I can make it easy for you. You don't have to do the math. You want athletic pass rushers. And generally speaking, that means you want burst. You want that first step quickness. So what does that 40 time in the first 10 yards look like? And then are they jumping high? Are they jumping far? And can they change direction? Athletic measurables matter more on the edge than at maybe any other position in football because you can look at an athletic upside and say, okay, can, can you take this guy with all this upside and teach him some of this other stuff? In some cases, you can. In some cases, you can't. But if someone has on tape athletic ability and they're a little bit raw, 
what you need to see in, in the combine performance is serious elite athletic tools to say, okay, this is a guy worth trying to build, trying to mold. And those are the kinds of players that Green Bay has looked for. Kendall Donerson is a great example, but Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, Vince Beagle, Carl Bradford, even late round guys like Nate Palmer, Brad Jones. The interesting thing is Kyler Fackrell was not someone who, who met what Green Bay was looking for. And right now he is not looking like a bad pick. So uh, I don't think Green Bay is going to be super beholden to these thresholds, but they do matter. And that is something that I think for whoever your favorite edge guy is, and, and every Packer fan seems to have one, whether it's Farrell or Polite or Burns or, or Sweat in the case of me uh, or Allen or Bosa, you, those guys are probably going to be out of reach for the Packers even at 12. So pay attention to this stuff as the combine gets near and these guys are performing. How well are they doing in those specific areas? Because stuff like the bench press doesn't really matter. You need to be able to be straight line explosive and change directions. That's what you care about when it comes to the athletic measurables. Nothing else, and at a lot of these positions, frankly, nothing else really matters that much. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store hey everybody this is jason buckland and let me welcome you back to our podcast in conversation with shopify plus now, season one was all about the biggest names in business. Steve Madden. Danny Reese, Chip Wilson. But wait till you hear who we're talking to now for season two. Philip Prim, CEO, Casper. Webb Smith, founder, 2PM. Kyle Kadakia, founder, ClassPass. Heather Hassan, Trina Spear, co-founder, co-CEO, Figs. Chris Saka, co-founder, Lower Carbon Capital. R-E-L-K, CEO, Parachute. This is In Conversation with Shopify Plus. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow uh, and, and try and answer your questions uh, we we haven't had a chance to do that this week yet, so we'll get to that. And then Thursday, we'll we'll continue our off season report card series with guard. So we'll we'll review what happened with the Packers guards this season, what the options are in free agency, what this position could look like in the draft and handicap if the Packers are going to go after someone in free agency. Who might it be? Who makes sense? Who would be a good value? And then if they're going to go that direction in the draft. Who are they going to get? Green Bay loves to take offensive tackles and convert them to guard. Is that something they could do in the first round? At 12, at 30, at 44, at 75, who are the options going to be? Who makes the most sense? And what do previous drafts maybe tell us about where Green Bay could make those kinds of picks? We'll get to all of that on Thursday. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. 
subscribe to the show. Leave a rating, leave a review. Five stars would be preferable. Uh, you can also, and you can do that on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked on Packers, in addition, on your smart speaker. Okay, Google. Hey, Alexa. All of that good stuff. We are there for you wherever you need us. A record-breaking January. Let's break it again in February. It's going to be a tough task because we have fewer days. And so you're, we're really going to have to to pack all of those downloads in there. But let's keep working. Let your friends know about the show. If you like the show, share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. We, I, I hear from someone every day saying, hey, today was the first day I listened. I really enjoyed it. So I, I love to hear that. And, and keep letting me know. Anytime you want to let me know how you found the show. Let me know how you think the show is doing. Let me know if there are things you want to hear things that you you think we can do to make this show better. I always want to make this show about you and giving you what you want, what you need. So hit me up on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. And always stay Lockdown Packers.